jolly hard, that's all. Let's have a drink. Matt gave me a relieved smile, and I beamed back at him. It was good to see Kate again, I thought, though I didn't say it out loud. She had died less than a month earlier, and seeing her was a little reminder of just how fresh my grief was and how much I missed her. As I worked my way around the party, doing my best to put other people at ease who didn't quite know what to say to me, I felt comforted by the fact that Kate was still so close to me. She was dead, but it didn't mean she had stopped being a part of my life. How could she? She was my life, even though I now had to carry on without her. I stood on my own for a while, watching the teenagers on the dance floor. <laughs> they were so full of fun, just as Kate and I were at that age, and in fact for most of our lives together. The buzz in the air and the youngsters' laughter made me remember our early dates. I pictured Kate in her teens, dancing in skin-tight jeans, without a care in the world. She looked older than she was, and never had any trouble getting into the nightclubs, even at sixteen. She always strutted up to the doorman, given a confident giggle and a wiggle that never failed to impress, and it was often me who was challenged about my age instead of her, despite the fact that I was five years older. Kate always looked stunning, and through the blinking lights and lasers, I couldn't see anyone but her on the dance floor. Her eyes were locked on mine, and I felt like I was the only other person in the room. After we'd been clubbing, Kate and I would often take a midnight picnic up to Pretty in the Mendip Hills. I could see her, aged seventeen, sitting on blankets under the stars, looking for satellites and listening to the choirs of frogs and mini-beasts. It was Kate's favourite place in all the world. There was no light pollution, and the stars burned so bright it felt like we were inside a massive planetarium, just the two of us. I breathed in the smell of Kate's perfume, mingling with the sweet scent of damp grass, and we talked and melted away together for hours and hours. The memory warmed my heart. Kate and I were soulmates, and we stayed that way for more than twenty years. How lucky was I! Looking around at the teenagers at the party, with all their lives ahead of them, I felt so grateful I had met Kate when we were both so young, and that we had had the chance to spend so many happy years together. That was something cancer could never take away. Kate's diagnosis took the wind out of our sails, to say the least. It came literally weeks after our little boy Reef's own recovery from an incredibly rare and aggressive form of cancer, and so it felt even more unbelievably cruel and unlucky. I remember how I scrabbled around for positives. At least my feisty Kate would fight like a tigress, I thought. Reef had survived against far worse odds, so Kate would beat it too, no question. Reef's cancer had left him with a slightly withered left leg, which upset his balance, but he had adapted remarkably well, and most people had no idea he was registered disabled. I knew Kate would show the same resilience, whatever cancer threw at her and took from her. We'd always lived life to the max. We'd travelled the world and made the most of every day together. We had no regrets about the past, and that was a huge blessing. The most positive thing of all was that I knew for certain that, however ill Kate became, she would continue to squeeze the most out of every minute of every day. As I begin to write this book, a year after losing her, I can tell you that Kate certainly didn't let me or the boys down. She did us all proud until her dying day, and beyond. Even when she was desperately ill in her final few months, 
She took the boys on trips to Disney World and Lapland, and insisted on taking them to see the Snow White pantomime in Bristol just days before she died, even though getting her there in a wheelchair with oxygen tanks proved to be more of a pantomime than the show itself. She also produced Mum's List, which she added to right up until the end of her life. Kate wasn't trying to be immortal, and she'd have been humbled by the huge media interest it attracted, which led to people asking me to write this book. The list was for us, not for her, and it was I who unwittingly prompted her to write it when I cuddled her in bed and asked, What if you leave me? Kate was a devoted mother and loving wife, and she wanted to give me a helping hand to make sure I raised our boys as best I could without her. When I read the final list after she was gone, I felt less alone. Kate's spirit lived on, and I was so grateful to her for the massive...